you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of your career and life, to starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. So much work goes into getting a job interview, but how do you know how to turn that interview into an actual job offer? So often people land job interviews, but then find themselves in second place or worse and don't really get the job that they were going out for. Well, in today's session, we're going to talk about how to not let those opportunities slip through the cracks or your fingers and that you, so that you can get the job offers that you want in the future. Hi, I'm Andy Storch. I'm your Summit host, and I'm excited to introduce our next legendary speaker. Madeline Mann is a career strategist and coach who has been featured on ABC, Bloomberg, Wall Street Journal, and now this summit. And Madeline's daily tangerine tips are viewed by thousands of job seekers every week. And I'm excited to have her on our summit today. Madeline, welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this interview. I know that you talk to a lot of people out there who are looking for jobs, who are interviewing for jobs. You put a lot of content out that people really love and resonate with. And we are now in this sort of great resignation, as people are calling it. A lot of people are looking at different opportunities, thinking about applying for different jobs. And I think people have more opportunities than ever before. Uh, and as lots of people are looking for new jobs, I'm just curious, what are you observing as you're kind of tapped into the marketplace and seeing where people are going, what they're doing? Right. So people might recognize me from my YouTube channel, TikTok, Self-Made Millennial. Um, so if you recognize my name, that's where I'm coming from. And I'm also from the human resources uh, side of the business. And what I'm seeing is people had time to really get alone with their thoughts in the pandemic and think about what do I actually want in my career? And I think people started to realize that you don't have to settle in your career. You don't have to take a job where you are disgruntled or where you're underpaid. And I think people's values have really come to the surface in this time. And so when you look at the great resignation, what that says to me is people are saying, it's time for a change in my life. I want to shake things up. I want to stop hitchhiking through my career, which is where people just throw out applications, stick out their thumb, and whatever company picks them up, that's the, their next career move. People want to be more intentional and actually land roles that will light them up and give them that flexible lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we've gotten a taste and seen what's possible out there and that there are more options and we can have more flexibility. There's more opportunities. Would you say the job market is also more or less competitive now than maybe it was before COVID? I think we're playing a bit of a game of musical chairs hmm. where everyone's kind of rotating at the same time and the music will stop. So while there are more job opportunities, since everyone is standing up and rotating around those job opportunities, there still is competition. So it, especially for these roles that are highly skilled, that are these at these highly selective companies, you have to have that edge in order to land that job. Yeah, absolutely. So you still want to develop that edge. Um, so for someone who has gotten some clarity on what they want to do and they know they want to change jobs and they want to go out and apply for, for new jobs. You, you mentioned that edge, you know, how do we start to position ourselves to put ourselves in a good position, I guess, good place to be able to get that next job. I think one of the things that 
people often, when they think I need to land a new job, first step they do, they hop over to the job boards. They type in the the job title, basically the same exact job that they don't really like very much right now. They start looking at that and then they start hitting apply. This is the absolute wrong backward way to do this. Really what you want to do is you want to soul search before you job search. What I really teach to all of my clients in my programs is a low volume job search. Anyone who tells you that the job search is a numbers game is either severely misinformed or they're not talking about applications. They're talking about connections with people. So I, what I call it is interactions. So if you're getting a, a large amount of interactions in the job search, that will show that you're actually going to get farther farther than the number of applications. So the people I work with, they send out maybe 10 applications, land seven interviews, land three offers. Like you, you, if you do it a low volume, very focused, you understand exactly what you want. You get much higher results with a lot less of a devotion of time versus this, I'm not sure exactly what I want. I'm going to spray my application out everywhere and just hope for the best. Yeah, just apply for everything. And hey, if I get it, I'll go to the interview and I'll see what happens and I'll find out more information. But the downside of that you're saying is it obviously takes a lot of time uh, to be done right. And it, it could probably get a little demoralizing because you're going to get a lot more rejections too. Exactly. And it's it's this method is a lot more time on the front end because you're not able to get that quick win. You're not able to get that quick win of, oh, I just submitted an application within an hour of on the job search. But if you go slow in the beginning, you can go fast later. Yeah. So go slow in the beginning to go fast, get really clear on what it is you want to do, what type of job you want to apply for, where do you, what type of place do you want to work? Who do you want to work for? And then go out and start to be more strategic with those applications. Now, once you're doing that, uh, what should the approach be? Is it, is it going online? Is it more, do you recommend people more take a relational approach and find people on LinkedIn or how do you help people, you know, find the right job opportunities for them to apply for? Right. So I always say completely skip applying online Mm. unless you are maybe the exact, exact right fit. Like you just kind of check off pretty much everything on the job description, or you are going for a very junior role. I would say just, just all my applications are dead. Um, I bring on, you know, folks for who are recruiters from all different companies, Google, Amazon, you name it onto my channel. And they all say the same thing. How do we, how do you land a job at our company? It's not through applications. And so really exactly going through these different routes and also having companies pursue you doing things to make sure that you're being discovered. Hmm. That is one of the best things. People in my programs, so many of them get reached out to by Amazon to interview for them. And that's the number one way that Amazon finds their candidates is they reach out to you. So really make positioning yourself to be found. So they want to go after and find the better candidates. You want people to come after you rather than you being spraying all those applications out there, those resumes out there applying. So what are a couple of tips? What are a couple of things we can do to make sure that we're more attractive to companies that, that want to come find us or hire us? Right. One of the things is people always underestimate LinkedIn. It is so incredible the power that LinkedIn has. When you have a profile that really appeals to exactly what they're looking for. And you don't have to be the exact perfect match to really be branding yourself in the right way. I know when I, before I, you know, led my own company, I was working at uh, another company in talent development, I would get probably 10 recruiter outreaches a month. 
And I got three job offers when I wasn't even looking for roles. And that's just because they were finding me. The branding on my profile was great. They could see that the results of the things I had done. And I just see this duplicated across thousands of job seekers that I work with. And that is really what the companies are looking for. They are, their applicant tracking system has horrible search features. LinkedIn is really where they're using that platform to find people. Oh, I totally get it. That's why I'm on LinkedIn all day, every day. Um, the working world is on LinkedIn. So um, we've gotten clear on where we want to go, the type of job we want to get. We've leveraging these channels, made ourselves more attractive on LinkedIn and actually gotten a couple job interviews. Now, this is where I know you really work with people to help them set them up, uh, set them up for success. So how do we approach these job interviews to make sure that we actually become a great candidate for this job to get this job? So I really work with people who are going for very competitive roles and especially like climbing up the ladder. And the thing is, when you get to a certain level in your career, you can't walk into the interview and say, I am going to answer each question they give me to the best of my ability. If that's your mentality, you are not going to shine. What you really need to do is you need to say, there is certain information that this company needs to know in order for them to believe I'm the best candidate. I'm going to make sure that I work that information into the conversation and also that I understand the question under the question. Job seekers all the time, they answer questions at face value and that's why they lose the job opportunity. Hmm. Can you give me an example of, of what that looks like? Sure, so let's say it's the question, where do you see yourself in five years? Hmm. Have you ever asked someone this question before? Probably. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Cause you know, I'd be curious to hear what kind of answer you got, but, but it sounds like that was probably a long time ago. So oh. it it's, but basically what people typically say is, well, Andy, in the next five years, I mean, I could see myself moving up to a VP level. Um, I could, um, I do want to hopefully like move into a larger house and, you know, maybe like live like remotely and, and be able to travel around. That's basically the way people typically answer is yeah. they'll talk about, you know, how they want to be promoted sure. and then personal things about their lives. Yeah. And you are going to lose the job opportunity if you answer this way. Mm. What this question is really asking is, does this role fit your long-term career vision? Mm. And if it does not, we don't want you. And so what I see, this is actually one of the top questions I've seen lose candidates the job because they'll say something like, oh, you know, I really want to switch to this industry or I really want to start my own coffee shop. And they think this, this role is, is not long-term. It's going to be very difficult for me to retain this person right. because their heart is not in this. No, and this is often them. a question that's asked, especially of career changers, because the company's saying, are they taking this job just to get be employed or are they taking this job because they have taken the time to truly understand their path. Mm -hmm. So you really want to answer that question in a way that shows you understand exactly how this role connects to your future. Interesting. So really looking at the question behind the question and what are they looking for? So it reminds me, you know, taking it a step back to the beginning of the interview, when you're popping in, whether you're meeting in person, you're coming on Zoom, and I haven't interviewed for a job in over 10 years, but I remember interviewing for a lot of jobs and the interviewer almost always asked, starts off by asking uh, or saying, tell me about yourself. And I would imagine there's an opportunity there as well 
uh, and there's probably a mistake that a lot of people make. So how should we approach that question? Andy, this question will make or break you. And honestly, it breaks too many people. Mm -hmm. um, I did create a worksheet. It's on the front page of my website, madelineman.com. If folks okay. want to like use that to, to go along with this. But essentially what the mistake people make on this interview question is they think often it's, it's, they either kind of start to talk about personal things. It's like, well, I grew up in LA. I did it. It's like, no, 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 no. We don't need to know that. Um, the other thing that they'll do is they, I've had executives when I'm interviewing them for, I think it was for a COO level role. They will, they spent 15 minutes going through their career history. What folks have to know is tell me about yourself is just so that person can take a minute to orient themselves to this interview. That's it. They're seeing your, your resume for the first time. They just came out of another meeting that has nothing to do with you. And they just want to say, hey, okay, let me get oriented here. Let me get my questions together and just give me a quick synopsis. And so if you're spending longer than a minute or two on this question, you are burning precious time that is actually meant to be about things that the, the interviewer actually cares about. Yes. So what you want to do is just focus very clearly on things in that role. So first you want to just give a quick overview of like, well, I'm a, you know, talent development professional in the technology industry. And then you want to give some, some background of, of your previous roles. I typically will do it uh, reverse chronologically because interviewers tend to yeah. want to hear more about what's happened recently versus before. And that's how the resume but, is set up as well as reverse chronologically, essentially. Right? Exactly. And so I typically do it that way. If you do have a confusing career path, sometimes I would do maybe from the beginning here of, you know, I did this and then that switched into here and that's why it makes sense now. But um, that's not the case in my career. So I would go reverse chronologically and give some examples of accomplishments. So my last role, I led talent development. I built out um, our entire learning management system across, you know, a thousand employees, like something like that, really brief, right? And there might be a few things that you pick out. And then you finish by saying, and, you know, the reason why I got on the phone with you is because I am looking to, you know, I, I'm really excited by all the things you all have done in X, Y, and Z. So then you finish up by saying why this role is the best next step. So then you're, you're they're tying it all together for them because you're helping them to picture you in the role. So you're basically saying everything I just made set, everything I just said makes complete sense for your company for this reason. And companies also want to feel wanted. So finishing with that positive note really helps tie it together. Right, you're excited to be there. And it's a good reminder that, that, and I've been on both sides of this and I've been, you know, interviewing candidates and you're running meeting the meeting and like, who was this person again? So it's like that reorientation time and you want to help them with that rather than telling a long, boring story. Uh, what are some other mistakes that people often make in interviews? I would say that it's so important that the aspect of likability is there, which is so disappointing to hear because it should be your competency. But here's the fact, no one's going to hire someone who they don't like. And so really making sure that you are taking the time to research your interviewer. You're, you're coming in with a few, a few points, like such as if you were my interviewer, I would probably say something like, you know, Andy, I saw we both went to USC, like, you know, what, 
like what was your favorite class you took there? I don't know, yeah. right? Yeah. You just I just say like, something yeah. to connect. Or right. we both lived in Los Angeles. Like, right. what city do you live in? How did you like it? Would you ever come back? Just stuff like that, where it would show to you that I took time to do that research ahead of time, which then you're like, oh, that's someone I want to work with, someone who actually you did that effort. today. We got on before we started recording, and you're like, hey, I know you moved recently and you took a vacation. Tell me about it. Like, just got us into conversation right away. Exactly. And it's, it's, you have to realize that in everything, everything is relationships, mm -hmm. everything you do, the entire job search, all it is, is relationships. And so if you're entering into an interview saying, I am going to connect with this person as a human, and I'm also going to, um, I'm going to treat this as a conversation rather than an interrogation. I think it's one of the things when I, when I am doing interview practice with folks and coaching is a lot of people have their interview voice mm. and their interview perspective. And part of my coaching is to pull it out of them and get to more of still a very professional way. I would say that the way I talk normally is a little bit different than if I'm on a video like this or on an right. interview, but you still want to have that human element where you're connecting with folks. And I think that's a piece that people, again, they're so focused on, I am going to answer these questions correctly, mm -hmm. that they're forgetting the elements of what is the message I'm trying to get across and how am I connecting this person on a human level? Yeah, uh, I can see that. You know, you're just like, okay, especially if you're really nervous, right? You're going to come in. I know they're going to ask me a bunch of questions. I hope I prepared well. I hope I'm going to be able to answer these. Um, not thinking very strategically about what do they really want. And the whole relational likability factor, you know, as you mentioned, it, in some perfect world, it would be your experience and, and the actual skills that you have, right? But in the real world, your personal brand, I wrote a chapter about this in my book, your, your network, your relationships, what do people think about you? They're looking at you going, do I want to work with this person? Right? It's very normal. And it's, and you, you can blame the company time and time again, but the people who are interviewing you are people who got interviewed for the job. Like it's just, we're all doing it. We're all human. And exactly. You're just thinking, wow, I'm gonna have to spend eight hours a day with this person working with them. Is it going to be a pleasant thing? Is it going to be great? Or is it going to be an uphill battle where this person seems inauthentic and tough to read? Hmm. Now, what if you are, um, I, I get the question quite often from people that uh, either have a gap or have been doing something different and they're trying to shift their career and they don't feel like it, it's really a, a clear line going into a company and they're, they're going to need to somehow explain what they've been doing. How do you recommend people usually approach that? So the first thing is with career changers and I work with so many career changers and it is so possible. It just, it's tough. It's a challenge. It's never going to be completely easy. Um, the first thing is make sure that while you might be a multi-passionate, you need to get clear on what your next step is. And we've already talked about this, so I won't, I won't keep you know hammering that, but make sure you're clear because sometimes career changers, their branding is like, I can do anything. You want me to do marketing? I can do that. Sales? Of course project management. I got you. No, like pick, pick a lane. So once you pick a lane, really making sure that you are very heavily showing how your experience is exactly transferable to the next experience. I'll give you an example. So let's say you worked as an administrator, you did admin work and you really want to move into social media management 
If I was to help you with your resume, I would look at your previous role as an administrator and I would see 15% of the time you were actually helping post for the executive that you were working with. You're helping them post for social media, check, check images, even build some things on Canva, whatnot. Your excerpt in your resume of that experience is now going to be a hundred percent those tasks you did that were pertaining to social media. This is the part that people, so many people get wrong is they think, well, no, but my best accomplishment was when I created that filing system. No, the social media management team does not care about your filing system. You need to speak to what they're actually looking for. And I say that it's, you're often sitting in the bottle, can't read the label. You're so close to your own experience that you really struggle to pick out those magic accomplishments that are actually pertaining to the role, which is why people typically go and work with a career coach to to bring that glory in their story. Um, But that is something that so many people miss. Mm, Totally get that. Okay. So we've got the interview. We talk about the question behind the question, um, making sure that we set ourselves up for success going in. Um, are there any other tips or other things that we need to know? Because we're talking about not just doing a good job in the interview, but you want to be the number one candidate uh, in a competitive market coming out of this. What else can we do to set ourselves up for success? It really is not just in the interview where you need to perform. It is you building relationships in the company outside of the interview. It is the thank you emails you send to each interviewer. It is the follow-ups that show the company that you are not annoying or desperate, but that you are eager and persistent Mm. and passionate. So I think that a candidate who is very proactive is the one who lands the job versus someone who is always sitting back and waiting always waiting to answer the questions and never asking questions, always waiting for the email, always hoping that their job application will be reviewed versus pursuing people in the company and really being proactive. It's just, we have been taught all of the wrong things in the job search and the the squeaky wheel gets the grease in the job search. You need to be the one who is raising your hand, going forward, and that is scary But when done the right way, with the right templates, with the right attitude, with the right approach, it happens so much faster. And then it ends up that you get job offers for the rest of your career Hmm. when you're not even looking. Yeah. So being proactive, taking the initiative, not waiting around. um, I'm all about that. Um, but I could see how it could potentially go too far, right? So I assume within reason, you want to be the squeaky wheel, but not the really, really squeaky wheel that's like bugging them every single day. Hey, what happened with that job? What's going on with that? So what's the what's the fine line there? And what does a good follow-up look like? So I would say some of the not right ways to approach it is just simply following up on a job application, like always like, Hey, did you review? Like if you applied online, did you review my application? Did you review my application? There's a lot better ways of like more networking getting referred in. Like remember I said, I don't, don't apply online. Also, some people will follow up several times after having been rejected. I think that this is a big no, no. You should definitely, if you're rejected, follow up with a very kind email, say that you appreciate being considered. You'd love to be considered in the future. But saying, you know, hey, like, I really, you know, I, 
I think you made a wrong like, decision. What are people following up on, on after a rejection? Yeah. Yeah. And they'll, they'll resend their resume and be like, you know, all this stuff. And, and, and Hey, can you please, you know, I just saw you just opened up another role or people will say, I just saw you reposted this role. Can you please reconsider me? This kind of stuff. And they're kind of taking my words a bit in the wrong yeah. direction. Yeah. Um, you really want to make sure that you have the right approach to make sure that you're not burning bridges when you're approaching your top companies. So if you have a top company in mind, work with a career coach before you just dive in and, and go pursue them. Um, but at a certain point, if they reject you, yes, there might be an opportunity down the road, but don't push on that. Yeah. Uh, I, I can definitely see that happening. And I actually got a couple stories in this one. I was applying for this uh, leadership uh, rotation program and uh, I went and networked with every single person involved in that program. And then I got feedback telling me that I was too proactive and I didn't get the next round interview, uh, which I still kind of disagree with. Um, but another time I did a first round interview when I was in business school and I did not do well in the interview at all. And I got the rejection, um, but I reached out and I just asked if I could get some feedback on the interview and the guy got on the phone with me and we chatted for 20 minutes and by the end of the interview he asked invited me to come up to san francisco for the second round so i think there are ways to go about it right but it's got to be you know done um with the right approach with a res you know respectful polite and your curiosity asking for feedback not hey can you put me in again for this i know i didn't get it the first time i saw you reposted it can can i apply again or or bugging people all the time yeah, Andy, I think that there's a nuance there that I think there's this approach that I've seen job seekers that are unsuccessful have where it's a little bit like they don't really understand the employer side where it might be a follow up of where they say things like, hey, I haven't heard from you from weeks. You told me you were going to tell me last week, like, what's the status or I'm assuming I didn't get the role because I haven't heard for a month. Like, is that safe to say? Versus being exactly more of like, hey, look, I'm still really interested in this yeah. position. Any updates? Right. Then you're saying you're you're sharing something with them. Hey, I'm enthusiastic. Not you didn't respond to oh, me, yes. right? Or or the fact that you were like, hey, I'm open to feedback. Versus being like, would you please reconsider? Why Why would someone just reconsider just by you asking it? No, but you said, hey. I, I'm open to feedback. You know what that said to the, this man was, this is someone who wants to grow. Mm -hmm. And who do companies want to hire? People who are great at receiving feedback and want to grow. So that's, you have to just think about what are the characteristics that you are showing in every interaction? What is the key characteristic? Because I'm telling you right now, I have seen companies reject employees based on their correspondence between interviews. Mm. I've seen I've seen it at the executive level. I've seen it at the mid-level. I've seen it also at the junior level. So that will make or break you. And I think it's completely reasonable to reject people for that because this is how you will work. This is how you communicate. And it is a direct depiction of what you'll be like at the job because that's your communication style. So good to know. Um, all right. So we went through the whole interview process and maybe we'll finish on this. A, a high note. I saw you posted recently uh, the eight signs that you may be getting a job offer, uh, which these are kind of good signs reacting to the good things that you've done through the process. Do you want to share some of those? Sure. Okay. So some of the signs are that they respond quickly to your emails. Mm -hmm. So as someone who has worked in the recruiting function, 
Um, sometimes a, a hiring manager will come out of an interview and she's like, yes, I love them. And I'll immediately respond to the candidate be like, yeah, okay, so let's get you rescheduled. If they're like, uh, I need to see more candidates. I don't know. Let me think about it. And they take a few days to enter in their feedback and they're ruminating on it. The, those communications will be fewer and farther between. So now in everything I'm going to say, Andy, this is not like this is not black or white. Like, right. Just because this happens does not guarantee you're going to get a job Every offer or different. not. Yeah. It's more of just a sign. Exactly. So that's one thing. Um, if they really are flexible by working around your schedule, like even if you say, I have a job offer that's likely, or I'm in final stages with another company next week, and they start moving faster in, yeah. the, in saying like, okay, look, let's get you scheduled for this week. Right. Whoa. Big green light that they like you. Okay. Um, and then let's think, what, what are some of the other ones I put in there? If they give you an office tour, so yeah. they just kind of voluntarily are saying, and I know this isn't quite the case as much today since so yeah. many people are remote, but doing things like that or having the interview go long, mm -hmm. this could also mean that you didn't answer the questions properly. They still need <laughs> right. to dig into a few things. But an interview going long, if it's going really well, yeah. it typically means, wow, okay, like I really want to dive into this more. And if that interview shifts from going long and asking you questions to it going long and you, and that the interviewer saying, well, let me tell you about this part of the company and let me tell you about that and that. And they're starting to sell you on the role. That's also an amazing sign that they're really interested in you. Yeah, When you're doing this job, it will be like, actually, yes. it's a really good sign um, I had this happen once. I was uh, in the final interview, uh, gave a case presentation for a consulting company, and I had the last interview with the big boss. And he started telling me, you know, we've got this conference coming up in Italy and everybody's flying out there. You need to start before then. And I was like, I think I got this job. <laughs> it seemed pretty good. And I did get it. Uh, and I went to that conference in Italy and it was awesome. Um, Madeline, this has been fantastic. Uh, really so much great advice in here for people who are looking for the next job, who are interviewing both outside their company. And I think all these things can be leveraged for um, movements that you're making inside your own company as well, right? Looking for applying for those internal roles that you're going to be applying for. Uh, and uh, I hope people got a lot of value out of this. Um, we covered so much. If I just go back to my notes to recap, we talked about what's happening in the working world, um, the job market being like musical chairs, how to approach applying for a new job, the low volume job search approach, um, the importance of interactions over applications, um, skipping, skipping the online application. I think you said online applications are dead, uh, which I love. Uh, leveraging LinkedIn, branding yourself and finding the right job, how to approach a job interview. Uh, we talked about answering the question below the question, um, you know, getting that, that interview and how to approach the whole process, um, considering the aspect of likability, um, talking about relationships, um, treating it as a conversation, not an interrogation, uh, getting clear on the next step and your goals and where you want to go, um, being proactive as a candidate, but not too proactive, uh, and making sure that you're following up in, in a polite and effective way. Um, for those who are listening, watching, I know you've got a YouTube channel, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, and you're pretty active everywhere. Uh, for people who want to get more, where should they go? And uh, what's one last piece of advice you would give for people who are trying to connect and get that dream job? Absolutely. I have hours of, of uh, content on YouTube. You can just look up self-made millennial and then to get lots of worksheets the tell me about yourself worksheet, the I give you free follow-up email templates, all that stuff. It's on the front page of my website, madelineman.com. And then my final piece of advice I would say is really persistence gets jobs. 
Mm -hmm. uh, it's in positivity in the job search is not knowing that you're going to land the job, but knowing that you'll be okay if you don't. So take those risks, go for it. And you really have nothing to lose. You're only measured by the roles you land, not the rejections you get. Love it. Persistence pays off and you're not going to get every one, but you keep going uh, and finally, eventually you will find the right one. Madeline, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Write down your takeaways from this, make a plan, take some action, uh, put this into practice. Uh, we want to make sure that we make a difference and help you own your career. Uh, and we've got more great sessions for you. So stay tuned.